want to talk about silverware right now. Um, and so I'm going to for a minute, and then we'll get into the sermon, because this is really close to my heart. Um, many of you that have been here for a while know that when I want a good illustration about how a, a husband and wife in a marriage have to work through difficulties, I often go to the problem that when we got married, my wife did the dishes wrong. Um, and when she would sort the silverware, she would put them all with the like head of the silverware up. Um, and that was very inefficient to me because I knew that if the handles were up when you're done, you just grab them and go straight to drawer. And this remained an argument for us for about six years. Um, and, and then she sent me a, a research back study that showed that more germs are removed by placing the heads up. And I appreciated that. And if it's research back, I can be persuaded because I am a reasonable man. And we've, don't laugh at the reasonable man part. That is not the point of this story. And a, a happy status quo was reached in our marriage over the last seven, eight years until something happened with a fork in my home the other night that I did not ever think I would see happen in my home. And some of you have seen this. It's flowed over into the Internet. And some of you have participated in this argument on the Internet. Um, I looked over and I saw uh, my wife, who was wonderful, eating ice cream with a fork. No, 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 no. Wife, you need to know, if there's ever something you've done, and I tell the story, and Eddie's the only one that claps, you're wrong. <laughs> oh. And this was disturbing to me, and most disturbing, one was Eddie, two was uh, that at the end of this, you know, like 100 people commented, and some of you are wrong, and some of you get where I'm coming from, and, and at the end of it, my father-in-law says, I raised her right. At which point I thought, you should have disclosed this when I asked to marry her. <laughs> it's just the right thing to do. And he didn't. And so things have been tense in our house. And I finally found a solution while searching for a, a solution to this problem on Amazon. And we now have at our house four of these because I don't need one. It is an ice cream spork. <sighs> And calm has returned to the Brown House, and there's a chance we'll make it to our 15th anniversary. I say all this to reinforce Jeff's point that if, if a person who eats, fork with, eats ice cream with a fork can live among humans, then the church can be for all people. Um, it's incredible what God can do. Which brings me to our topic for today, missions. There's no transition. Okay. Um, uh, missions, all people are worthy of the gospel, even ice cream fork eaters. There it is. Uh, that's as close as we'll get to a transition today. Um, we are. We've been talking over the past several weeks uh, about, uh, about the gospel, about how the gospel cannot just be lived. You can't just do the gospel. The gospel is news, and news must be proclaimed. It must be spoken in places where those with ears to hear can hear those words spoken. The gospel must be not just lived, it really has to be spoken. Now, the way that you live reinforces and backs up what you proclaim, and it gives you credibility and integrity, but it's the speaking of it that gives power to the Word of God. And we've talked about how even though the gospel, when you boil it right down, is a very simple message, it is not complicated, and yet at the same time, it's very complex. 
It can be endlessly shared in new and ever-increasing ways, which makes it very applicable in every culture, which matters a lot. And so when we think about the gospel, if you boil it down to just four things, it's this. God creates, sin destroys, Jesus saves, and we believe. God creates, sin destroys, Jesus saves, and we believe. That is the essence of the gospel. Now, you can preach it and proclaim it in so many different ways that the Bible that God gave us with His Word that gives us the gospel is a very long book that is giving us context and background and information and all kinds of images to tell the incredible story of how Jesus saves those who believe. And so the gospel, while not complicated, is incredibly complex. And yet we've talked about over the past couple weeks how there are so many times that when uh, the church has gone into a place of preaching, that it has at times been legalistic, which is one of the enemies of the gospel. Because legalism says that it's about earning your way and being good enough and following the rules well enough. And Jesus rebukes anyone who suggests that in his ministry. And yet on the other extreme, when it comes to proclaiming the gospel, there is a desire to be relativistic, to just say, hey, whatever you believe is good enough, and and, I'm sure as long as there's enough grace and you've got a pure enough heart and it feels right to you, then you're okay. That's also an enemy of the gospel. See, the gospel is rooted in the idea that because of sin, we are lost. Wrong is wrong. We cannot be relativistic. But you can't be good enough and right enough that you don't need grace and salvation from Jesus. And so the gospel anchors us in this middle place where good news is that you used to be lost and deserve death, but now through Jesus you have life. And it resists those dual enemies of the gospel. But then we talked about how when we go into the world and we try and communicate this message that we can have different methodologies of how we do it. Some of those are under-adapted. An under-adapted presentation of the gospel is so churchy and it doesn't listen to the world and it doesn't communicate to people in ways that they're able to hear what we need to say on God's behalf that they just don't get it or they won't listen. It's under-adapted to where it makes no sense to the world. On the other hand, the gospel can become over-adapted. In an over-adapted gospel, people understand it, but it doesn't challenge them to transform or to be changed in any way. And so when you think about the good news, if the good news is that Jesus saves you, but don't worry about changing anything about yourself, I'm sure you're fine already anyways, that's an over-adapted gospel. It doesn't change the world. So last week, we kind of reached a place where we talked about how so often in Jesus' ministry, uh, in Jesus' ministry, the professional Christians and religious scholars are not very good at telling his story. And yet the tax collectors and the sinners, the broken, ordinary people, are incredible at telling people, this is who Jesus is, this is the difference he made in my life, and this is the difference he can make in your life. And if Jesus, throughout his ministry, found that the people that were making a living out of being the religious folk were not very good at communicating the gospel, and yet the ones who 
just said, this is my story. Jesus has changed my life, and I want to tell you about it so that you can know how he can change your life too, that those people were so good at it. Why do we buy into the lie today that most of us are not qualified enough, trained enough, educated enough, or good enough to tell somebody about who Jesus is or what he's done for me? Why do we buy that lie? And so Peter, in the text that was read this morning in Acts chapter 2, when he stands up and he says, let me tell you what's going on here as we're preaching this Jesus crucified and resurrected. It's the fulfillment of what Joel said would happen a long, long time ago. Joel is a prophet. And what Joel said is that God's spirit would be poured out on men and women who would prophesy and proclaim the word of God to a world that needs to hear it. And we continue to live in those days where God pours His Spirit into people who speak the good news so that the world can hear it. So this morning what we're doing is we're wrapping up that series on gospel and good news and sharing faith. And we're starting our March for Missions campaign. Every year Northwest raises uh, often around $100,000 to support local and foreign missionaries, to support our members traveling to other places. This year our missions committee is still trying to figure out what our missionaries' needs are. are. Who, uh, we're not going to be able to travel much this year. And yet God is doing all kinds of things in local evangelism in our community, opening doors for us to speak and to serve in people's lives. Alton, you don't know anything about that, do you? (laughs) Little bit, yeah, little bit. God's calling us in all kinds of different ways. Our missions committee continues to pray and listen as they work towards the goal, and it could be that we get to the end of this month and we let the giving of this church become the, the job description that our missions committee has to figure out how to spend the money you give. We're still praying through that. And as we start off our March for Missions, our campaign today, I wanted to bring to you a couple that is special to me. It's Jake and Stacy Gerald, and they are currently doing mission work in Madrid, Spain. Uh, Jake was one of my roommates at Oklahoma Christian. Stacy, his wife, was a, a friend of Leah's. They were in a club together. Uh, we couldn't get them here today because of travel bans and difficulties and other stuff, and the fact they're pretty busy doing mission work. But through the magic of Zoom, we've brought them here with you today. Now, there's two things I've learned uh, over the last year about ministry on the Internet. One is that we can do things through the power of the Internet that we could not have even imagined five years ago. And the second one is never trust the Internet to work when you need it to. So we've recorded in advance um, this Zoom conversation with Jake and Stacy and myself. But I want you to hear their story. I want you to hear about how for a youth minister and his family, his wife and two kids, that when they started learning how to talk to strangers about Jesus and to share their story and his story, that it started turning their whole world upside down. And I want you to hear it and to realize that it doesn't take professionally trained, qualified, educated, people to be missionaries. It just takes someone who sees that God has a message that needs to be heard and the world has ears that needs to hear it and you'll do whatever you can to bridge that gap. You're a missionary. With that being said, I want to uh, at this time introduce you to Jake and Stacy Gerald and let them tell you a little bit about their adventure.
All right, so we're here. Uh, I am here in Yukon, Oklahoma. You guys are in Spain. What, what part of Spain are you actually in? We're in Madrid, Spain, right in the middle. That's good. I knew two cities in Spain. You picked one of them, so I, I know where you are in Spain. Um, this is Jake and Stacy Gerald. Uh, Jake and I were roommates. We were part of six guys that lived in a duplex uh, for a year in college. Uh, for a while, we had a guy that lived under our stairs, but not for very long. Uh, mm -hmm. We had all kinds of adventures. Stacy was in, in club with uh, Leah at OC, so uh, our friendships go back about 16 years. Uh, but the stories we're going to be talking about today really go back several years in Jake and Stacy's life. And um, what is incredible and compelling to me about their story is that Jake and Stacy have been in various levels of ministry over the last 10 or 15 years, um, but it's really only in the last couple of years that they've fallen in love with telling strangers about Jesus, and it's turned their whole world upside down. And as we think at, at Northwest about what it means to be people that are telling the story and the good news of Jesus to other people, I really just wanted you guys to share a little bit about how you got where you are, where you started a couple of years ago, and um, just a little bit of your journey from youth ministry uh, to being missionaries in Madrid. Uh, and so I don't, where do you guys want to start? Yeah. Um, so as Kent said, uh, yeah, I'm Jake and my wife, Stacy. So we have two boys, uh, Luke's an eight-year-old and Everett's a four-year-old and we've been married for 13 years. And yes, I knew Kent, um, back when he still had hair, Yeah. Um, <laughs> when it was cool. No, um, yeah, me and Kent, uh, it, Kent was a great friend to me in high school and Stacy and Stacy knew Leah. And so, um, so right after college, I, uh, got a youth ministry job right when we got married in Oklahoma city for six years. Great. Then moved to Dallas six more years in youth ministry there. And, and a couple years into the youth ministry there, we took a, a few short-term trips to Ecuador. And most of the trips that I had taken for, you know, mission trips were the service hand of the gospel, right? You're painting houses, we're handing out flyers, we're doing children's camps, you know, all really good things. Uh, but these ones were different. These were really focused more on the sharing side of the gospel. Um, there was a few church plants that were really trying to get started. And so we were just going out telling people about the church, but we're praying for people. Every single student and adult that went on that trip knew how to share their story in the gospel because that's what we trained in. And so we just did a whole bunch of that. And there was something that happened on those trips where I saw literally every single person who shared the gospel, who took that step of faith and just started doing it, had this incredible experience where they saw God at work, like literally right in front of them. And even some students who, you know, at the time I felt were kind of iffy in their faith, you know, and they were just on these trips and they, you know, came back, wow, I just saw God do this. And so I realized just how incredibly powerful this is what this is. And I, and I, I wanted to start, how do we do this back in the United States? You know, how can we start doing some of this? And so this really began to transform a lot of the, the rhythms of my ministry, you know, I, and I started focusing more on decentralizing myself as hard as that is, you know, and uh, less of me preaching and less of me doing everything and really trying to equip my people, equip the students. Um, and that, you know, really began transforming. It's that Ephesians 4 uh, idea, I'm here to equip the saints, and it began transforming our ministry. And so 
by the end of my, those two years, those last two years of my youth ministry, every student knew how to share their faith, knew how to share the gospel, knew how to lead like an easy discovery Bible study with somebody. Uh, we had over 200 guest students come to our ministry in that time frame, uh, and about 30 baptisms of students. So it was by far the most fruitful time in my ministry, but at the same time, it was God equipping us for what he knew it was coming because we began to feel that call to go now to some places that really don't have very many resources and people who are, who are pursuing this kind of stuff. Yeah, and you know, my story is a little bit different, but it was happening at the same time that this Ecuador stuff was happening with Jake. For me, I studied to be a teacher in college and um, I got a teaching job right out of school. But, um, I, you know, my husband was a pastor and so I was his sidekick. I was the behind the scenes helper, the minister's wife. And I had taken spiritual gifting tests and helped out with various structured ministries at the church. But there really came a moment about three years ago when I thought, man, is this it? Is this you know, I just come and I help a little bit and I, I see Jake being a part of all of these powerful things. And um, I just thought, man, what else is there? Where, where's this powerful God that I've read about? I want to see him moving in my life. And so I was just, um, I wasn't satisfied. And I think the spirit does that sometimes to wake us up. Um, and so I decided to do a prayer of surrender and I just gave it to God. I said, God, I'm ready for you to do your thing. I want to do it your way. I want to see your power and I want to, I want to, whatever you have for me, I want to step into that now. And, um, and I really felt like God honored that. He gave me the verse Romans 1 16. Um, at the beginning of that verse, it says, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work. And so something about the good news of Christ, the gospel is God's power. And I needed to tap into this. And so Jake and I found a training in Dallas um, called gospel conversations training. We're like, let's go. This is what we want. We want to learn how to share the gospel with people, have conversations. And at this training, we learned some simple tools, biblical tools. We learned what an oikos map is, which is basically where you draw out a map with your name in the middle and you branch off and you list all the people in your life who don't know Christ. And that's your prayer map. And you pray over those people and for opportunities to share with them. We learned a 15 second testimony that we could share very quickly and easily. And then we learned how an easy way to share the gospel. It's three minutes or less that we could speak or draw. Um, and then last, just an easy discovery Bible study. And so God started transforming me with these biblical tools um, into this is my role for you as a believer, as a follower of me. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And Romans 10, 13 really came to life for me after that. It says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to be saved unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? So it was just like, oh, my heart was convicted. And I'm like, man, maybe I am the plan for my workplace. Maybe God has put me in this neighborhood because I am his plan to reach my neighborhood. And so I just had this complete perspective shift. And if I remember correctly, how did you come across the, the actual meeting the first time you guys went? 
Yeah, it's kind of crazy. My mom actually lived in Phoenix and she was going to fly into Dallas and babysit for us for a Saturday. And she said, go on a date night. And so I Googled things to do in DFW on just Google. The first thing that came up was gospel conversations training, which is crazy. You'd never see like a biblical thing pop up, let alone first. And I was like, we got to go. This is it. And we went and they said, that's crazy because we didn't post this anywhere and we've never had it on the internet anywhere. It was um, an internal training for, you know, for their that church. young adults. So. so God was like, nope, I'm getting you there, whatever it takes. <laughs> I love that part of the story. And I also just love that you're like, this is our date night is uh-huh. an evangelism class. And it, yeah. it just, it shows how much God had really put on your heart to start walking through those doors. And then he just puts the doors right in front of you where you can't miss them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so what has, so you got some of the tools and the training there and you got super excited about it and really convicted, but how, what does sharing your faith practically look like? Like, what are you actually doing now that maybe you weren't doing in the past? How are you starting spiritual conversations with people? Like, what does it look like in your lives? Yeah. Well, it, it's scary. You know, the thought of sharing the gospel is scary. And, and even in, you know, the United States amongst Christians, you know, we've seen kind of a drop in numbers. Um, while we have the, some of the greatest resources, some of the greatest churches, some of the greatest pastors, you know, and so what's going on? And I think it is kind of getting back to some simple things, you know, how did the, the church in the first century grow so fast? I mean, God was doing it just through ordinary Christians, you know, they don't have seminaries at that time. And yeah, you know, God, God was using everyday people to, to do his work. And um, so that's what we were trying to do. What is the spirit doing around us? You know, God, we know that God is drawing all men to himself and John. And so food, we say, Hey, we're about to pray for our meal. Is there anything we could pray for you for? Um, And I mean, 90% of the time, um, 90%, Okay. Sorry. We're our, um, <laughs> no, you're doing all right. I, and I love how you guys have talked about that. When you go to a restaurant, you just ask the, the waiter, the waitress, if they have anything they want to be praying about. And so instead of that awkward moment of like, do we pray when they're coming, when they're going, you just invite them to join you. Yeah. So what can we pray for? And then you can either pray there right there with them, or you can pray, you know, when they leave. Um, but an easy way to get to a spiritual conversation would be just to say, uh, just your 15 second testimony. So just for example, you know, there was a time in my life when all I cared about was winning and being the best. And it really pushed a lot of the people I loved away from me. And one day I just woke up completely alone and broken. And, you know, I had learned about the love and forgiveness of Jesus. And so one night I just fell on my knees and, and said, God, I'm ready to do it your way. And I put my faith in Jesus and he's really began to transform my life by showing me how to value other people, giving me purpose in my life. So do you have a story like that? And so that's that's essentially how we get into a spiritual conversation. You could do that with anyone. Um, and we've done it with our waiter. And immediately, you know, you're not sharing your testimony just to like lay out your life story. You're sharing your testimony just like a little taste to invite somebody into a spiritual conversation. And so many times people will say, yeah, and, and they just go off. Maybe it'll be 30 seconds, maybe 40 minutes, who knows? Um, but at the end of that, we just simply say, Hey, can I share a story that changed my life? And we go into the gospel. Um, and so 
in doing that, we're able to pray for people. We're able to share our story, invite them in, and then we share the gospel with them. And so that's some practical ways of really how we do it. Yeah, I was going to share um, just a real life story that has happened. We share with waiters when the cashier is checking out my items. I say, I love praying for people. If, if God could give you a miracle in your life today, what would it be? And, you know, like almost like dramatic, like, what can I pray about for you? And people get excited about that. They're like they tell me and I pray for them while they continue checking out my stuff. So I just find these little moments of time where I can insert, you know, greeting someone or like being honest with someone. But um, I was having coffee with a new friend the other day. And I said, uh, you know, to get to know me, I have to share the story with you that changed my life. And I think you're going to understand who I am a little bit more once you hear it. And, um, you know, people appreciate the honesty. They appreciate the realness of that. Well, I'm not beating around the bush. And I hope that someday you figure out what's important to me and then ask me about it. It's just like, I'm going to come out and tell you what's important to me and how it's changed my life and invite you into it. Um, and so, so I just shared this gospel with this woman that I had just met. This was our first coffee date. And um, at the end of the conversation, she said, you know, you shared that story with me and you talked about reading the Bible. Can I read the Bible with you? Like, could I sit down and read with you? And she said, I think I want to bring my daughter too. What if we, the three of us read it? And I was like, of course, you know, and it's, I didn't know where she was at spiritually that she was obviously seeking, but me just opening the door and being, you know, honest about it and passionate about it. You, you just never know who's ready for it. And that's happened so often. It's open doors. So one cool story recently. Do you find often that people get like offended or put off? Cause I think that's kind of that people get angry. Like, why are you talking religion at me? It's never happened to me. I've shared a lot. The, the thing that I get a lot is, um, you know, in, in our gospel presentation, we don't start with you're a sinner. We're all sinners. We start with this world is broken. Do you feel like the brokenness around us? That's not how God intended it. And so we come in in a, in a compassionate way. And the, maybe the, the toughest feedback I get is some people are angry at God because of the, some things that happen and they'll bring it up. Like, this happened and this happened and I believe it was God. And, you know, I just be compassionate. You know, I hear what you're saying. I've been in similar places before. And, and it tells me, you know, when to keep going and when to, you know, just kind of back off and, and say, thank you for letting me share that with you. And, um, but yeah. I've never had anybody just say no. Yeah. And I think if you, cause we don't, we're trying, not trying to get into arguments with people or debate people. And there are people who are really good at apologetics, but we're just trying to keep it simple Nobody can disagree with my story. So nobody can get angry at my story. Mm -hmm. And if I say, hey, here's a story that changed my life, I'm not forcing them to believe this. I'm just saying, this is what I've learned. And so when you approach it that way, and then you can invite them to share a little bit of your story, but really we, we kind of leave some of those harder questions for, hey, let's meet up again sometime and let's have coffee if you wanted to talk about that. So that initial meeting is typically pretty peaceful. Yeah. And so I, I love how you guys do that, that, you know, one of the big problems that a lot of people have with Christianity today is how could a good God allow this much suffering? And you just kind of own that as an entry point into saying, yeah, this world is broken. Let's talk about that. My life used to be bad. Now it's better. Just really kind of personal and testimonial and relational. Like they get to know you more as you're also telling them about Jesus. 
and letting them get to know Jesus more through your experience. Um, And I like that you can do the whole thing in like a single cup of coffee. Like it's not intimidating and it's reproducible because you just know your own story and the story of Jesus so well that it just kind of rolls off, off your tongue. Um, So what advice, if, if hypothetically this video was to be played in a room of believers who are ready to have gospel conversations with people, what advice would you give them? Um, I was actually thinking of this analogy uh, the other day. So sometimes, so in Mark 4, you have this story of, of the sower, you know, throwing out seed. And some lands on good soil, some lands on rocky soil, you know, some of the birds come. And, and when I was young, I, I heard that story and I was like, ooh, I hope I'm good soil. Like, I, you know, that's, that's all I cared about, like myself. But the more I've grown and the more I've like started reaching out to people, I'm realizing, wow, that story is way more profound and actually means so much more. And I think sometimes we take our, we have like a little seed, which is my testimony in the gospel, right? And I like pray over it. And I'm like, where, where's the best place I could plant this seed? You know, if I'm going to have a conversation with somebody, if I'm going to share the gospel, what's the best time? What's the perfect season? What's, I have to say it just the right way. And sometimes we, we sow our seed like that. But I think Jesus gives us a much better example. He's like, scatter the seed. Some's going to land on rocky soil. Some's going to, even Jesus himself is not going to, you know, it's not going to hit everybody at the right time, but scatter it because some's going to hit good soil. And I love the end of that is because that story, it says, you will go to sleep at night and the next morning you're going to rise up and some of it will have grown. There's nothing you could do to make it grow. So take the pressure off yourself. You don't have to say it perfectly. You don't have to do it at just the right moment. Just scatter the seed. And I think to your surprise, God's going to show fruit. And it might not be in the area you thought it was going to be in. It might not be the person you thought it was going to be in. But God wants you to focus maybe your energy over here for a time. So that, I think that's the advice I would give. Yeah. And all crops, I mean, they grow at different rates. And so we scatter broadly. And we've had people come back and start the conversation several months later. You know that thing you told me? I've been thinking about it. So it's like by scattering broadly, you give people time to really think about it and you have time to kind of talk to each one. But, um, you know, I, again, I think people respond just well to passion and honesty. And so, um, lucky for us, our message is life-giving. It's not hard, terrible, bad message. Right. Um, and I just think how important is my faith to me and, and how am I stepping out in faith? Um, and, and God has really given us like a family motto that we live by and we remind ourselves often, but it's sometimes this is hard. I mean, being a Christian is not easy all the time. The sharing is not easy all the time, but we say, let's go big for our King while we're on earth until we go home to be with our King in heaven. And so it's motivating to us and, um, you know, it encourages us to be bold. So my advice would be be bold and, and surrender it to God and, and see, watch what he does with it. Yeah. And can I and just share one last thing on that? So I have a college friend named Jeff and we just rekindled our friendship like a year ago. He told me he had never shared the gospel in his life. He's 35 years old, but he's like, I want something more of my faith. And so he started pursuing some of this. We taught him a few of our tools and he set a goal. He's like, okay, I'm going to share my my story with every coworker, all 50. And we were kind of like, wow, okay. 
Three weeks later, he came back and said, okay, I'm done. He's like, this is like the first time I've ever shared the gospel. He said one Monday, he went to his office. He said, okay, God, I'm going to do it today. Whoever you bring in my office, I'm going to share with. And he said, throughout the day, 10 random people came into his office, sat down in the chair and said, hey, what's up, Jeff? And he's like, okay, let's go for it. But just through his faithfulness, uh, two Bible studies started in his work at his job. Like that wasn't his plan. Um, six people got baptized through it. Like you just never know what fruit God's going to give you. And he's not some pastor. He's not some amazing evangelist. He's just somebody who said, you know what? I want to do this. I'm going to go where God sent me and I'm going to be bold. And I'm just going to take the few tools that I know. And we're just going to see what happens from there. And that's incredible. I, and I was going to ask you to tell a little bit of Jeff's story, actually, because it's so crazy that that it's so foreign to us that we would actually tell people the story and he had you guys had kind of done some equipping with him of kind of teaching him to share kind of his 15 minute or 15 second uh, personal story and then the kind of the three circles gospel how to easily walk people through the gospel right yeah we did and then we kind of agreed to be accountability partners that's another piece of it is Um, we would pray with him. He wrote down all 50 names and we prayed over every name together and we prayed for opportunities. And so when he came back, it was like, he couldn't wait to share because we were all invested together. And that's one of the benefits of sharing with, with other believers around you. Here's what I'm about to go do. Will you pray about it? And then you can't wait to tell them. Um, And so that accountability piece was, was really important too. We, We stuck with him through that. And I love that. And I love that, that your guys' mentality and uh, Jake, earlier you talked about kind of decentering ministry from being about yourself, but making it about Jesus. And then that idea of casting so many seeds. I remember when you and I first started talking about your plans to go to Spain, you, you weren't talking about like the number of people that you guys wanted uh, to convert or the kind of church you wanted to build or equip there. You were like, we're going to go try and start a movement of Christians sharing their faith with other people in Spain. Um, And it's like the things you say, a lot of times I hear them and I'm like, that's like kindergarten Christianity. And at the same time, I'm like, but it's so advanced that none of us are doing it. Uh, Tell someone your story, tell them what Jesus has done for you. Share the basic gospel with them. And and it, it feels so elementary, but at the same time when it's like, okay, now just go pick someone and do it. It gets intimidating but when you think about being bold for the kingdom and doing what what god needs us to do and the idea of we're not just trying to you know add 10 people to church we want to start a whole movement for the kingdom of god of people that need to hear the the good news and be invited in a relationship with god and his church like we've just got to start opening our mouths and telling more people the story yeah yeah it's like yeah you gotta sometimes keeping it simple is better. You know, we don't need to elevate Christianity and and following Jesus to some, you know, thing that's only a few can do. No, everybody can do it. My wife can step in and do this. My son, he can share the gospel, but there is something that happens. There's a growth that happens when you do this. And the, the, the best part about it is, you know, I've seen my son worship God, like for real, because he's seen him at work or Stacy. I've seen her transform in her worship, in her prayers, in her reading. It's not because she has to do it. It's almost like she's hungry for it. 
because what God has filled her with, she's giving it away and she's ready for more. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's to me, some of the most exciting parts of it as well. Yeah. I was just going to add too. I love that you said, um, you know, to come in and say, I'm in brokenness, a broken world too. Like I was broken. Um, you know, we come in, we all need this life-giving bread, you know, the bread of life. So I'm not any elevated, any higher than these people I'm sharing with. I'm just like, Hey, I found the bread of life. Do you want some? Like, can I give you some too? Like we're all on this, you know, depravity of sin. And so we just come in like helping each other and not coming in as like, I need to fix your life. So. Yeah. Well, I love it. Well, thanks for letting me kind of be a, a partner with you guys in prayer and in other ways and, and through your, your move from Dallas to Madrid. Uh, I love your updates and uh, thanks for sharing with Northwest some of your adventure. And uh, if people have kind of questions or if they want to learn a little bit more about some of the basics of what you're doing, can we loop you guys back in for some of that in the future? We would love that, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And we are, we're praying for you guys. We're praying for the Oklahoma City community, you know, and the people living there, the refugees, the hurting, the broken, you know, and so um, we, we'd love to hear what's going on with you guys as well. All right. So we'll be looking for more opportunities to be kind of, uh, working with you guys as partners in the gospel. So thank you guys so much. Blessings on you and your ministry and with your kids. And, uh, we'll be in touch later. Okay. Thanks. God bless. I hope what you experienced today was the realization that God's not looking for professionals. He's looking for willing, spirit-filled people. Um, it was a little bit workshoppy, which is what I wanted. A lot of times we get to where we're kind of thinking too much about the ought to's and the scriptural side of things and the theology side, and we miss out on the nuts and bolts. It's really pretty simple. And, and I love, Bill has so many stories about when he first became a Christian and didn't know that Christians were supposed to only talk about Jesus at church. And so he would go back to bars and restaurants and they'd be praying with people and doing Bible studies and telling everyone they knew about Jesus. Uh, and, and the missions committees didn't know what to do with all these young adults that kept telling everyone about Jesus and bringing them to church. Can you imagine that? If all of the Christians that you knew all of, a sudden, all of a sudden started just sharing their story and God's story with their neighbors and their coworkers and your friends and your family, not telling them that you're sinners that are lost, but telling them God created, the sin destroys, Jesus saves, and we believe, and it, and it gets us through this, and suddenly you're part of this great story that they can begin telling too. And when you start living into that, it's not about uh, just growing the church. It becomes about a movement of people who are being shaped by God. Church, I'm telling you, if you're here today and this is not a decision that you've made for yourself personally, and second, we're going to give an invitation that you can respond to. But church, if it's something that you have done, but that maybe you've been going through the motions, and as you're hearing Jake and Stacy, and throughout this month, hearing us talk about missions and evangelism, and you're thinking, I need to figure out what my role is in growing the kingdom of God and being one of his disciples and one of Jesus's followers, then let's keep this conversation going. Let's keep learning what it means to be Jesus in the body of Christ, not just in this church, but everywhere God plants us. 
Let's sow seeds and let's just scatter them everywhere and let God provide the increase. But if today one of those seeds has been planted in your heart and you realize that you need to respond to the gospel of Jesus, that God created, sin destroys, Jesus saves. If you will only believe and be baptized, you can receive the gift of salvation. That you receive the spirit that comes into you and begins shaping you into the character of God and helping you get through all the things that you need to get through in this life. If you need to respond to that today, Come forward as we stand and sing. Oh God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. Oh God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. I will seek you in the morning. And I will learn to walk in your ways, and step by step you'll lead me, and I will follow you all of my days. Oh God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. Oh God, you are my God. And I will ever praise you. I will seek you in the morning. And I will learn to walk in your ways. 